the only reason I bought the Tigers is because I wanted to play shortstop for them. That was my real lifetime dream, but uh, Sparky said I, I love my mother, but uh, she's not going to pitch for me. <laughs> well, it's a great honor to be invited here. I uh, had no idea that anything like this existed in the world. I was a little hesitant when I was uh, uh, told about this as to whether I could find time to come or not, but I'm sure glad I came. It's one of the most exhilarating things I think I've experienced probably since the day I bought the Tigers, and that was probably the most exhilarating thing I experienced since uh, my wife said she'd marry me. And I have to say that because my wife is here today. I, uh, but it's very intimidating. I see all these brilliant people, all these high IQs. Uh, uh, I uh, graduated 44th in my class out of a class of 44. <laughs> and I uh, and I struggled around in and out of college. Uh, uh, went in the Marine Corps for a while, for three years, uh, uh, got out of the Marine Corps. I wanted to be a great architect. I'm uh, probably the world's number one Frank Lloyd Wright buff. And, uh, but I don't know how I expected to do it if I didn't crack a book all the way through high school. But uh, there was a pizza place uh, that was uh, for sale in a town called Ypsilanti, about seven miles away from my hometown of Ann Arbor. And it was... Uh, I didn't know much about it except that it was only $500 down. And my brother uh, knew the owner of it, and he uh, asked me if I'd go in with him on it. And I thought, well, it's only open at night, uh, uh, seven hours a night. I'd work three and a half hours. My brother would work three and a half hours. And, and I'd have plenty of time to uh, get my schoolwork done and get through school and be an architect. Well, just, just before we bought the place, uh, my brother decided that he didn't want to give up the security of his post office job where he's making $68 a week, so I ended up uh, uh, running the, uh, the whole show, and instead of about three and a half hours a week, it was over a hundred and some hours a week. But uh, I can remember uh, about seven or eight years later when I had about 30 stores, and I attended a uh, motivational type of uh, uh, conference, uh, and, uh, and the speaker... Uh, Knew I was there and knew I had about 30 pizza stores. And there was another guy there by the name of Kelly who had about a dozen uh, uh, hamburger stores. And uh, and while this motiva motivating speaker was talking, uh, and he says, in the back of the room there are two guys that have made it. He said, Monahan and Kelly. That'd be a pretty good political ticket. And he said, Kelly, why don't you come up here and, and tell these uh, people the way you owe your success to. And I tell you, I was uh, about as shy, gun-shy of the microphone as I could possibly be. And, uh, and I'm just shaking while Kelly's up there talking and pontificating about uh, uh, how hard work and dedication and all the other uh, platitudes. And I figured, what? And I thought back to how my business uh, started. And, and all of a sudden, they said, Monaghan, uh, it's your turn. I got up there, and they, they said, what do you owe your success to? And I said, uh, gentlemen... I owe my so-called success to stupidity. He said, everything I did was wrong in the way I started. I got into a business I knew absolutely nothing about. The only thing I knew about pizza is I loved to eat it. <laughs> and it's a good thing because the first six months I was in business, I was losing money so bad that I didn't have enough money to eat anywhere else, so I ate pizzas. <laughs> and, and the pizzas I ate were pizzas that I burned 
pizzas that people didn't pick up that were sitting for an hour or more, and I still love pizza today. So, but that's not a testimony to Domino's Pizza. I don't know what is. But uh, I got into a partnership with my brother, which uh, is uh, partnerships are bad anyhow, but with a uh, with brothers, it's particularly bad. Uh, uh, supposed to be capital, uh, have enough capital to get started in business. I had $77 in my uh, checking account. Uh, I uh, knew absolutely, I, I, it never even occurred to me to go see an attorney or a banker or uh, an accountant. Uh, I didn't ask any advice at all. You can imagine the kind of advice uh, I'd have gotten. As it turns out, the, uh, the place that we bought, and the only thing I knew about it was the down payment. I really never did know and don't know to this day how much I paid for that first pizzeria. It was, uh, all I know was $500 down. And we were able to borrow the $500 from uh, the credit union at, uh, at the post office where my brother worked. And uh, I knew approximately what the monthly payments were. Uh, didn't have enough money to change the name on the place. I didn't get permission from the uh, uh, owner to... Uh, uh, I, didn't get in, I didn't get anything in writing. Uh, there wasn't a lease on the premises. I could have paid this thousands of dollars for this uh, pizza place and, and signed all these notes and not had a place to operate. And we found out after I paid the notes off and I, and, uh, about three years later and I see the le seen the legal documents of what I had bought, and I had bought two pizzerias, another one in another town. I, but I paid for two, but I only had the equipment for one. So I made every mistake in the book. I mean, you can't call it anything but stupid. I can, <laughs> I can remember uh, uh, I used to, for my accounting, uh, I had a spiral notebook. And I, and I drew a line down the center of the page, and on one side of the page I, it said outgo, and the other side it said income. And at the bottom I told them up, and I'd be accumulating them every day, the, the positive accumulation I, I had hoped. As, as it turned out, it was so negative, I kept keeping track at the bottom. I was losing so much money. Well, uh, one day, uh, my brother, who's a lot smarter than I am, uh, came up to me, and he said, you know, Tom, I think... Uh, uh, we ought to split up. Uh, why don't you uh, take over the business? You don't have to give me anything for it. And of course, I was losing about $500 a week. And, uh, and so, and I said, in fact, then he started begging me to let him out, uh, out from under. And I, and I felt I had to give him something. So uh, the only thing I had was our used Volkswagen delivery car that we were delivering pizzas with. And I, and I gave him that uh, Volkswagen, and that, which we had made one payment on. I continued making the payments, and he, he drove off in the car. And that was, that's the most expensive Volkswagen that ever uh, existed. Well, a little bit later than that, uh, in my, uh, I did have one stroke of genius, so I had a little bit in common with you. One day in the middle of a, uh, a rush, I used to have these... Uh, Six-inch pizzas. I had five sizes of pizza, 12 up to 16-inch. But it seemed that about 95% of my business was a six-inch pizza. And I'd make it about seven-inch because I didn't want to chip the customer. And I sold it for 30 cents, and I would deliver the thing free five, six, seven, eight miles away. And people, when they wanted a lot of pizza, they wouldn't order a nine or 12 or 14 or 16-inch pizza. They'd order a whole bunch of these little six-inch pizzas. And... Uh, and it used to be aggravating. We got an order for a 12-inch pizza, which is our small today. It was a cause for celebration. And so um, I, uh, one day in the middle of a rush, someone ordered about 12 of these little pizzas. And these rushes were, every day I had a rush. Every day I had a rush I couldn't handle. 
No wonder I became the fastest pizza maker in the world. And no matter how much I prepared, I could not handle the rush. Well, in the middle of this one rush, someone ordered about 12 of these little pizzas, six-inch pizzas, and I, and I just blew my temper. And I said, we're not going to take another order for six-inch pizzas. I don't care. We never sell another pizza. <laughs> and so they said, okay, shoot yourself. We, so we didn't. We went through the rest of the night. Uh, we never got busy. Uh, handled everything that came in, what little that did. At the end of the night, we counted up the money, and we had 50% more business and dollars than we ever had taken in before in any one night. And we just looked at each other amazed. All of a sudden, instead of losing about $500 a week, I was making about $500 a week. Now, that was, uh, that was pretty smart. Well, <laughs> thank you. But I was uh, young, insecure, never been in business before. The best business experience I ever had was... Uh, the Marine Corps, uh, but uh, the, uh, I was asking advice everywhere I could get it, uh, suppliers, salesmen, uh, competitors, anybody. And there was one fellow, that, uh, uh, an old Irishman, uh, that uh, had been in a piece of business before, but he'd been bankrupt, but he had done a lot of business while he was in business, and, and I uh, was getting a lot of information from him. And uh, I asked him to come to work for me. He said he couldn't afford to do that, and I said, unless he had a piece of the action. I said, well, how much... Uh, would you have to have? And he said, well, half. And I gulped, and I said, well, how much would you pay me for half? He said, oh, $500. And I, and I thought to myself, well, with my hard work and his brains, maybe I can hang on to this all of a sudden successful business I have and, and make it grow. 50% of something is better than 100% of nothing. And uh, apparently I lacked a little confidence. So I entered into this a partnership with him, and I got to tell you, it was the most lopsided partnership in the history of American business. It lasted three years. And the reason I can say with a certainty that it was the most lopsided partnership ever is because nobody, but nobody, would be that stupid to put up what I put up with for three years. I never even got the $500, for starters. <laughs> he called all the shots. He uh, felt that pizza was a fad, and then any investments we made were in the uh, restaurant business. Uh, and I no more and got into the business, and I and here I was just newly married and living in a house trailer and driving an old rusted-out Rambler, and, the, and uh, my new partner was living like a king, and he was making the same money I was, $102 a week, and he was living better than I live today. And I realized, of course, that uh, this guy was dipping in the till, and uh, it drove me crazy, and I can remember... Uh, thinking to myself, all of a sudden, uh, a calm came over me. I said, what am I worrying about? As long as I'm not stealing from the business, as long as I'm doing over 50% of the work, which was no problem, I've got nothing to worry about. He's got the problem. Some way, somehow, this is going to work out. Well, we went through three years of this, and pretty soon I, I couldn't make more money than what he was stealing, and that was my goal, and that's a cooperative partner. <laughs> And so he came to me with a proposition that was absolutely ridiculous. I pay him a big sum of money in cash, which we, of course, didn't have. I take over all the bills. He take over these expensive restaurants we bought. I take over the, the three pizzerias, which we had literally no money in. And, uh, and, and, and I ended up uh, pretty much accepting the proposals he gave it to me. 
And that was uh, about 1965, and I had three places under three different names, and the first one was called Dominic's, uh, because that was the name on the sign when we bought it, and we didn't have uh, enough money to change the sign. We were going to call we're going to call Monahan's Italian Pizza, but we didn't think that'd uh, go too well. <laughs> and so I changed it from to Domino's because that sounded something like Dominic's, and I never heard of any Dom Domino's pizzas anywhere. And uh, I wish I had changed it to something else because uh, some years later we got a million and a half dollar lawsuit with Domino's Sugar, which was a nightmare in itself. Well, that first year was so exciting to me, even though I was hopelessly insolvent. That first year when I split up with a partner, it was just like being shot out of a cannon. The enthusiasm was just uh, like the young people I see here today. And I, uh, those three stores in one year doubled their volume, paid off all the bills. I worked seven days a week. I visited pizzerias whenever I could to learn as much as I could about the pizza business because I wanted to be the best. And I was looking for pizzerias that were busier than mine because my business was growing like topsy, and I... Uh, and I wonder, what am I going to do if it, if it gets any bigger? And, and uh, no matter where I looked, I couldn't find any pizza places busier than my original pizza place in the little town of Ypsilanti. It was the busiest pizzeria in the United States. And it was all on this concept that I tried to talk my partner into that he thought was absolutely crazy, and that was focusing on delivery, getting rid of the tables, get rid of the, uh, all the other items on the menu, because no matter how many you sell, spaghetti, submarines, chicken, whatever, 80% of your business is going to be pizza anyhow, and uh, it's tougher than hell in the delivery business to handle the rush as it is. I cut down the two size pizzas. I cut out all the drinks except Coke, and I uh, and I really took off. It was a little gutty thing to do at the time because uh, you know that 20% you're giving up was uh, uh, didn't think I could afford to give it up. But uh, the busiest pizzerias in the United States. Well, a year after we split up. Uh, my partner got into trouble again with one of the restaurants and just about pulled me under because everything we had during the partnership was in my name because he had been bankrupt before. So I had to take over one of the restaurants and convert it to my fourth Domino's. Now, when I adopted the name Domino's, I adopted the symbol with three dots on it, a red Domino with three white dots on it. And my theory was that every time we added another store, we'd add another dot. <laughs> So I got through that crisis, and a year later, guess what? My partner goes bankrupt. Seven years to the day that he went bankrupt before. I guess you can do it every seven years. And he just about took me under. And uh, somehow or other, uh, at the last moment, I was able to pull out of that one. And then I got going again. The business got bigger. We added more stores. And, and then I got a call one morning at 4 o'clock in the morning in my uh, number one store in Ypsilanti, my commissary, my uh, warehouse, my office, and it's on fire. Went down there, and, and there was going up in smoke. I'll never forget it, February 8, 1968. And I, you talk about stupid. I lost over $150,000 in that fire. I, I collected $14,600 in insurance. I hated to pay insurance premiums. I pay them today. <laughs> so everybody in the office, there was about six of us, we had to go back into the stores, including myself, and, and, uh, and uh, cut down the overhead. and. Uh, in six months, we got back on our feet. The stores were doing better than ever and had about a dozen stores. And I decided that I was going to, uh, uh, at this time, uh, uh, be like McDonald's. I had been visiting these franchise seminars, and I'd been hearing 
and meeting people like Ray Kroc and John Y. Brown and, uh, and uh, Frank Carney from Pizza Hut and others. And I figured if I, what I'm doing on a local basis is every bit as successful as what they're doing nationally. No reason why I can't do it. And so I, uh, and a lot of investment bankers wanted to take us public. That's the time when the franchise stock was a glamour stock on Wall Street, fast food stock. And so I went with an uh, investment banker, and he gave me a game plan for going public. And basically what it amounted to was quit operating like a, a, from the seat of your pants and uh, get sophisticated. And I did everything he said. We computerized. We got rid of our local attorney, got a big city attorney, big eight accounting firm. Uh, uh, he said, most important, you got to grow. So in 1969, I went from 12 to 44 stores. And those new stores were something else. They were uh, the lowest volume pizzerias in the country. I mean, isn't that they didn't do enough business? They didn't do any business. <laughs> I had the busiest pizzerias and the lowest volume pizzerias in the same chain. And I just felt that they had to turn around. I just, they were dominoes. They got to work. Well, pretty soon the bills start coming in. The, uh, they started getting lawsuits from creditors, and then the bank is getting nervous, and next thing you know, they end up taking over the company. And they, and they brought in an expert to turn the company around for me. All I needed was a little bit of expertise. Uh, and so uh, they came in, and uh, they really made a disaster out of it. After 10 months, they, they handed it back to me. But when they handed it back to me, I had an uh, 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 antitrust suit from the franchisees. They boycotted their commissary. They quit paying royalties, and, uh, and it was really a mess. And uh, I can remember uh, that first year I got it back, I was very excited, but I didn't know from day to day whether I was going to be in business the next day or not. I do nothing but talk to creditors on the phone all day, and when you don't have any money, you got to do a lot of talking. And people hadn't been paid in a year and two years. And uh, I can remember the sheriff coming in with those summons he got, so he just came in every Friday to punch them up. And he was a nice guy, but I still hated to see him every time I seen him. And we were behind with our withholding tax and sales tax, and we went six months without insurance. You'd be in the delivery business without insurance for six months. We were lucky. We only had one minor accident. Well, after and then every night, I was seven nights a week, I was going around uh, visiting the stores. I was the only supervisor traveling all over the Midwest, and I used to sleep in the car because I couldn't afford a motel or hotel like this. And then uh, after about uh, two years after I got the company back, I reached the day I was dreaming for, the day that I could start paying all the creditors. And that was a big day. We called it Operation Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> we had special checks printed up with me and was wearing nothing but a barrel. And, uh, we, and we sent out that first check. And that was a big day for me. And not too long after that, uh, I got a call from Frank Carney, the chairman and founder of Pizza Hut, which is, was and is the largest pizza chain in the country. A year from now, that would be a little different. But uh, uh, they wanted to buy us out, merge with us, and, uh, because they found that uh, delivery was of great potential, but that uh, they weren't able to do it out of their existing stores. And we were the only ones that had been able to do it. Well, uh, that was very flattering, i got to tell you, because I on the brink of bankruptcy for two years, and then I get this big multi-million dollar offer. And, uh, and, but I just didn't even hesitate, and I said no. And, uh, but it was a great compliment. I said, Frank, you know, I feel as if Raquel Welch asked me for a date. <laughs> I said, I'd have to, she was a lot younger than you guys. <laughs> I, I said, I'd be very flattered, but uh, my, uh, my marriage vows wouldn't allow me to accept it. And that's the way I feel about Domino's. Well, 
After that, it's been pretty boring. We had this lawsuit with Domino Sugar, but uh, recently I had a real uh, dream come true. All my, when I was a kid, I wanted to play shortstop for the Tigers. When I was in the orphanage, all the kids were Polish, and everybody on the infield had a ski on the end of their name except me at shortstop, and they just called me Monahansky. And when I later realized I was never going to play shortstop for the Tigers, so my big dream in life was to buy the Detroit Tigers, and I've been telling people that all my life. And, uh, and uh, the Tigers weren't for sale. And Mr. Fetzer, the owner of the Tigers, had owned them for 27 years, didn't have any children. The Tigers were his, his love. And uh, by golly, uh, uh, in one meeting with that man, one meeting, he said, when I sell the Tigers, I'll sell them to you. He called me about uh, uh, four or five months later. We sat down and we talked, and I had told him from the beginning, Mr. Fetzer, uh, the Tigers are something special to me. I know they're like a child to you. Uh, and I feel it. I'm talking to you about uh, uh, adopting your child. A very sensitive thing. The Tigers are not a commodity. I'm not interested in the Yankees or the Dodgers or anyone. I'm interested in Detroit Tigers. And I'm not going to negotiate with you. You name the price. On the second meeting, he, he said, well, I think the Tigers are worth about uh, 40, 45 or $50 million. And I said, I'll give you, a, I'll give you $50 million for the, for the Tigers. I know that brochure said 43, but uh, I wish it were. <laughs> and it's been a very exciting thing for me. And uh, I uh, talked long enough, but I uh, uh, think that uh, I'd like to repeat something that Sparky Anderson said, that great philosopher. Uh, uh, about 90% of what Sparky says, I don't understand. But he said one thing to me. He said, you know, if you want to be good at baseball, you got to be a kid. He said, if you want to be a good manager, you got to be a kid. He says, and I'm a kid. He said, my coaches are kids. And, he, and I believe that's the way we all have to be. And I hope that you people, as great accomplishment as you had, will not change. Because uh, if you, as soon as you stop growing, you die. And uh, let's keep on being a kid. I know I am. Thank you very much.